Hello there and welcome to Community Life. Here we talk with the community experts about their life journeys and learn from each other. And today we have a conversation with Aaron White, a trivia nerd, an avid runner, a community and communications professional with 20 years of experience who believes in openness and transparency and has learned to be comfortable revealing in his love of geeky things. So, hello, Aaron. Hey, Yuri. <laughs> I have this, like I told you before the recording that I wanted to talk to you so much. Here we are, finally. Thank you very much for your time. And the first question, have you ever driven a lone mover to visit your neighbor? Ever driven? No, I, I have not personally actually ever driven a lawnmower at all. Uh, I see in my small town, lots of people driving lawnmowers from place to place. Uh, but I personally have never uh, attempted that. So fun. Where, where do they go usually? You know, I've never followed anybody. Uh, <laughs> Why? <laughs> I, I've wondered the same thing. I imagine it's just down to the grocery store or to a friend's house or something like that. I, I wouldn't imagine you would take a lawnmower very far. But, but, uh, but who knows? It's a mystery. Didn't didn't you ever have this like lawnmower parade or something like that when different neighbors are you know driving together like this bikers do sometimes? Have you ever seen that? I would love to see that. I think uh, I should organize that and just say let's have a lawnmower parade. If that happens, I will absolutely post it somewhere because <laughs> that sounds amazing. I would love to see it. Maybe one day. So please definitely share it. And I wonder how does it feel to live in a city where there is not a single McDonald's. Yeah, we don't have any McDonald's. Uh, we have. I'm surrounded by other small towns. To get to the next McDonald's, you have to go to the next town over. Um, and, you know, I don't mind it. We have a lot of great local places to eat, locally owned and operated. Uh, you know, I, I frequent the chains myself sometimes, but it's nice to have independent options too. And uh, the, the lack of a McDonald's kind of contributes to that. What is your favorite local place to go? That's an excellent question. Um, there's a lot of good options. I would say probably my go-to would be the uh, the ice cream shop that is uh, hand-scooped, hand-dipped, like dozens of flavors. Uh, it's fantastic. Um, it's just nice, especially with a, with a hot summer like we're just finishing up here. Uh, nice to have a, a great local ice cream shop. Do you stick with just one flavor or maybe you are experimenting all the time? No, that's one of the great things about this particular shop is if you order a single, it actually mm. comes with multiple scoops and you can pick more than one flavor. So your single is apparently a double. I don't know how that works math wise, but uh, I'm here for it. So what flavors are your favorite? I typically uh, go for something with some chocolate or some coffee flavors mm. to it and then uh, maybe pair it with something with some nuts or something occasionally i'm in the mood for coconut or cherry or peanut butter or those kinds of things but um but you, you got to start with a solid base where is your love to chocolate from where does anybody's love for chocolate <laughs> come from i think it's just ingrained um we i've never in not jeans. loved chocolate yeah. And I think though, you know, as a kid, you tend to like anything that's sweet, right? Any kind of candy, any kind of chocolate, it's all good. But I guess as I've grown up, I've decided for me personally, I'm not going to waste my time or my calories on candy that's fruit flavored or anything like that. Um, yeah. It just doesn't do it for me. So chocolate or nothing. You know, I feel like it's the sign of getting older because I I can I can relate to it a little because I remember when I was a kid I was using to love lollipops and all this stuff and then like at some age I was like no chocolate is the best so you know and I'm I'm not yeah. looking at those other types of candies so I feel like it's some, somehow connected with age. <laughs> gum too right like my kids are crazy for gum it's their favorite thing and i've just and i remember being that way and it's like no i don't i don't need to just constantly chew something <laughs> yeah yeah i totally get it so aaron let's start from the beginning tell me about your parents who are they uh my my parents are gary and suzanne and they uh they they live about 45 minutes away from me so i still see them regularly um but uh, they, they, they 
raised me in a great house. Uh, was homeschooled for a number of years, which was a, a, a novelty at the time, although obviously mm. with the pandemic, lots more people have gravitated toward that. Uh, but at the time, it was, it was fairly new. Uh, so spent a lot of time around my parents and um, really enjoy having a, a strong relationship with them still. And till till what time you were homeschooled? I think I started in fourth grade and was homeschooled through the end of ninth grade uh, here in the U.S. and then uh, went back to public high school to finish up. And what do you think were the benefits of homeschooling? For me, the benefits were uh, kind of almost similar to working remote uh, on mm. a job, a lot more flexible schedule, a little bit more uh, self-determination in selecting tasks and priorities. Um, you know, for me, it, it would be an option to finish my household chores in the morning before starting my school day or um, perhaps doing it the other way around if that made more sense on any particular day. Um, I also really appreciated not having to always wait for everybody else to finish in a class. Uh, it was if, if I finished my assignment, I could just move on to the next thing and not have to wait for the bell to ring. Um, so it was it was nice on some days to be able to, to finish up quickly and, and move on to the rest of my day. And where is there any minuses of it? I think that the the, the biggest minus was certainly the the potential lack sometimes of socialization mm. um I, I, there's again same same as working remote uh you know i i don't miss my commute i i don't miss the distractions of an office but at the same time i sometimes miss the camaraderie of having a team close by and i think the same was true in a, in a homeschool situation where it was great always being around my brother and my uh family but um you know not having peers Uh, as close by as uh, might be the case in, a, in an actual school setting uh, was was sometimes uh, sometimes a downside. So I feel like you were prepared to work remote long before it became a mainstream. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> I'd never thought about it that way. Actually, the parallels between those two things, but it's um, but it, it's pretty effective parallel. What did you, let's say, what did you learn? during homeschooling that you are using currently in your remote setting? I think a lot of the self-prioritization and, uh, you know, self-determination when it comes to selecting what I'm going to work on or what needs to happen first, or even um, just the, the ability to persevere on a project or an assignment um, when I need to figure something out on my own, if somebody else doesn't have the answer, uh, you know, I, I have to be able to figure that out on my own and use the resources and information available to me to get to that answer. So I think that um, that ability to just stay self-motivated is, is one of the things that I possibly learned in homeschooling. And I wonder when you were learning at home, Was it like your parents were like teachers? So basically you had the same lessons as kids at school or did they just give you a task and then like, just do it and we'll check it? A little of both. Uh, so they worked with a company that provided curriculum and helped with lesson planning, things like that. So um, the the lessons that were provided for us were part of a larger mm. uh, a larger approach to, to schooling. Uh, so my mom did create lesson plans for us and say, these are the things you're going to be working on, or these are the classes you're studying this year, that sort of thing. But then more on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, the lesson plan was accessible to me. And I, especially as I got older, would be able to just go in, look at what I was supposed to do that day and get started on it um, and utilize, uh, you know, my parents as a resource wherever I got stuck or didn't understand something, um, especially sometimes if there were larger projects or, um, testing situations, things like that, where there needed to be an additional uh, supervisor or overseer involved. But in, in general, again, especially as I as I grew up a little bit more, um, it was I was largely just kind of running things on my own. <laughs> And did you work together with your brother as a team? Occasionally, but we were about three grades apart. So mm -hmm. we were often not doing the same things. Got it. Got it. So Let's move a little bit to yourself. So from what age do you remember yourself? Oh, that's a deep question. 
I feel like I have memories uh, occasionally from, you know, three, four years old, that time span. But I would say that there's not any like consistent sense of ongoing memory until a few years after that. Hmm. Yeah. And what what is the first memory of your childhood that comes to your mind right now? Um, you know, I, I don't know for sure which of the various memories actually came chronologically first, but one of the first ones that I, I, I know was an early one was, um, it was my parents were getting their, the carpet in the house replaced. And I remember walking outside my bedroom, having no idea that the carpet was missing and then stepping on all those carpet tacks, <laughs> and, you know, having, uh, you know, hurting my feet and, and not understanding what was going on. So that, that's a pretty early one. Yeah, I can, I can imagine like sometimes parents do crazy things without telling their children but yeah have you did you like playing lego oh my gosh i still like playing legos <laughs> my kids are both into them and so it's fun for us all to to build together and uh about once a year i actually just have started this in the last couple of years i'll i'll save up for and purchase one of those really big uh, mm. lego sets some of the you know multiple thousands of pieces and um you know, I'll build it, I'll, I'll display it for a year or so, and I'll take it apart and sell it back and buy a different one. And when you build it, do you always follow the instruction? Absolutely. <laughs> no deviation from the Lego instructions. You know, I, I, I'm just, when, when you told that you are playing with the kids and you're buying this big set, I like immediately this moment from Lego movie came to my mind when there was like this huge Lego city and when, you know, like... It was a kid who were actually playing Legos and that's exactly how the movie were going on. And then his dad came and like, what are you doing here? So I'm curious if you, if you ever had this, you know, huge town or something like that. I think it's, it's both and not either, or I think Legos can be, be built and displayed uh, while also being built and played with. And I certainly you know, went off the books as a kid and just kind of threw all my sets into a single bin and, and then used to just build whatever I felt like and, and had vehicles and buildings and all kinds of things that we would use as, as a game um, and imagine something really creative. But then as an adult, for me, the joy is in just building the set. Um, that's what I really enjoy is putting things together. So I think that, you know, when I play with the kids, it's maybe some creative building and encouraging their imagination and, and that sort of thing. Whereas an adult, I just like to, to build a really cool thing and then look at it. So. <laughs> and what about your kids? Do they like following the instruction or use their imagination? So my daughter is 10 and she likes to, she likes to build the set and then leave it put together mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. use it the same way she might use a, a dollhouse or something like that. Just play with it. Um, my son likes to build things. He's seven and he likes, he likes to, it's kind of engineering minded. He likes to build things and really understand how they went together, really followed the instructions specifically. He'll play with it too, but he's a little bit more like me and then he likes to build and take apart and build something else, then take that apart and build the next thing. And, so that's that's it's fun to see the, the different styles at work yeah, it's so fun i'm asking because like i i talked to many different people who played lego and all the stuff and there are i would say two categories of people first category always follow the instruction and play with it another category just once follow the instructions and like break it immediately and then do something on their own and i'm always like like what like how 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 are people created you know all this stuff like what what is what is what is something behind why do they do it and it's it's fun because for me you know i'm i feel like i'm totally different with my son because i bought him a lot of lego sets and it was always more about following the instruction and always building you know, stuff and playing with it exactly how it is. And if something broken, like, oh my God, it's broken and not playing anymore, you know, not trying to right. uh, restore it, but like, okay, it's broken. I want to use it. And for me, it was like totally different because I was like, I definitely built it one time and then who cares? Like it was, exactly. it was, it was like always, you know, this imagination and interesting journey. And also you wrote that your road trips were a staple of your childhood. So tell me more about road trips. 
we drove a lot of different places. Um, as a child, I lived in a couple of different places. I was originally born in Denver, Colorado. I lived for a while in Kentucky. And and so being state, and now I'm in Minnesota. And so it's kind of three distinct points uh, on, the, on the US map, which gave us a, a lot of um, ways to springboard off in a number of different directions. And, and so, uh, you know, the, the classic American road trip in the minivan or the station wagon, we went lots of different places and whether it was theme parks or natural national parks, or uh, my dad loved civil war battlefields, um, just visiting family or friends. We were always on the road every summer. It felt like. Did you have planned um, road trip or it was like, okay, we are living today right now. Take your stuff. No, my parents were planners. We always had a destination in mind. We knew exactly where we would be staying every single night, um, what we were doing each particular day. Everything was everything was planned out. Yeah, I feel like it's easier, you know, like there is less stress when you plan plan things out and you know what to do, how to deal with this. And what about you? Are you a planner? Especially with travel. Yeah, I am. Um, I, I, I do. It's it's funny. I think even even everybody who's a planner has areas where they don't plan as well as mm -hmm. maybe other people do. And so between my wife and I, we each have distinct areas where we really like to plan things out. And then other areas where we're a little bit more, you know, fly by the seat of the pants. And that's, for me, I'm a little bit more flexible, uh, more comfortable, just kind of having a loose framework for things and then making things up as I go along within that. Uh, but especially when it comes to taking a trip, it's, it's pretty well planned out. And... As you grew up, what does a family trip mean for you right now? I think there's a lot of value, especially now having kids of my own in building a sense of uh, shared family culture and mm -hmm. memories. Even if I don't remember all the details of every trip I've ever taken, uh, and even if I know that my kids won't, um, they will remember that the trips happened, that we did something together, we went somewhere together, we we saw or discovered something new. And that to me is incredibly important. So I, I think that uh, there's a lot of things you can give to your kids or, or create for your family, but a sense of the world and what's out there uh, beyond your own backyard is one of the, the biggest and best things that you can you can do. And how your kids feel about those trips? They always look forward to it. They make, uh, by the time we announce that we're actually taking a trip, which <laughs> for the sake of our, all our sanity, we only, we wait until just a few months before the trip to let them know the trip is actually happening. Um, but they'll make a paper chain and they'll tear off a, a strip every single day and, and count down the days until we leave. Um, as they're getting older, we try to involve them in the planning process, find mm. out well, what do you want to go see? What, what things would be important to you? Would this be in interesting or not? And um, really make sure that they feel like it's something that they have some ownership of too. Do you take a lot of photos and videos? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, definitely enjoy taking pictures. Do you ever print them out? We used to. I don't feel like we do that as much anymore. I mean, people in general don't don't do that as much. But I grew up in an era where, you know, you had your your 24 pictures on a roll of film and you'd take your pictures on your trip and you wouldn't even know if they were good for weeks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then like one is with sunlight and another is dark. And then the third is somewhere like taking their head yeah. and like covering covering camera with their fingers. And yep. like one or two of those are okay -ish. <laughs> yeah I, I we're a bit spoiled now in the ability to know whether a photo was good right right away and and be able to retake it and and, and ironically i think the the having them all so accessible on our on our phones or our computers means we don't print them out as much photography in general is better than it's ever been and people just keep it on a screen instead of printing it out and putting it on the wall i'll have to think about that and maybe fix that <laughs> how many shots do you usually take on a trip? Uh, I mean, on, on oh. one situation, like if you are mm. posing and like... Oh, how many times do I click the button? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like two or three or four, maybe, and especially if it's my kids and, and they're not necessarily always looking at the camera at the same time or they're making a goofy face instead of smiling like I asked them to. <laughs> and how do... <laughs> maybe several times. How to choose the best one? Because I, I'm asking because sometimes when you do three or four photos, 
they are very similar. How to choose the best one? And do you always keep all those three or four photos or do you choose only one? I usually try to keep it pared down uh, just for the sake of storage space. Um, if I'm choosing a photo of a person, it will be based on just how how good does everybody look? Is everybody smiling well? Are the poses good? Does it look natural and, and casual? That sort of thing. Um, if it's of a landscape or something like that, it's much more about the, the framing and the composition of the photo. Um, do I like the balance of items in, in there? Is, is the lighting good? Did I get did I get the exposure better on one versus another? That sort of thing. Do you have a background in photography? No, I've just messed around with it long enough that I, I like to I like to have a certain level of quality with with things, at least if I'm trying to get a good photo of something, there's plenty of times it's just a snapshot and that's fine. Yeah, exactly. And I wonder what is your favorite place to go? It's always such a hard question um, it, because so I'm one of those people who likes I really like mountains and forests, but mm. I also like the beach. Um, mm. I also really like riding rides. So it's hard to say. I mean, I, I've, I've been to Disney World several times and that's a lot of fun. But at the same time, uh, the, the Canadian Rockies in Banff National Park was incredible. Um, I, I, you know it's there's there's uh, there's several different trips that i could point to that that i would absolutely go again if i could mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. just because the destination was so worthwhile are you going to the same places from time to time or do you always try to find the new one both uh sometimes we'll revisit a place if um i mean i, I mentioned disney world we're we're a disney fan family so that one's fun sometimes to to go multiple times as the kids age and they can appreciate it differently or as things change at the destination um that makes it worthwhile to revisit in some cases we'll revisit a place if maybe it was someplace my wife and i went before we had kids and now we mm. want to take them there and show it to them too um, or if we feel like we really liked a place but didn't see all there was to see there we'll go back but we do like to keep discovering new places too why do you want to visit all the U.S. states? Uh, it just feels like a fun, fun checkbox to, to have uh, checked. Uh, part of that comes from that road trip upbringing. Uh, you know, it would be fairly common to to visit, you know, six or eight states in one trip, depending on where we were going. And so I'm at a point where I only have seven states left that I haven't visited. Um, and now it just sort of feels like something I should do is to get all the rest of them but um, no plans specifically for how I'm going to go about doing that I, I've recently seen a post or something on Instagram and Brian Oblinger like like checked I visited all the US states and I was like why do people from the US want to visit all this all states like is it some kind of like national thing that I need to go everywhere so I, I'm always curious like why it happens and um I wonder, so you've been at seven. So what is the next, what is the next one you'd like to go? Um, so to answer your previous question, I, the, I think too, one of the reasons people like to visit all of the states is they're all so different. They have their own culture, their own landscape, their own uh, characteristic food, th things like mm. that. There, there's always something different in each state. Um, and so I think that that's part of it as well. Uh, there are certain states that are of more interest than others, potentially, just because of what's there or what's not. But um, for me, there's just areas of the country I haven't been. There are six states in in New England, you know, Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, um, that I could do in a single trip. That's that's six of my, I guess it's eight states I haven't visited yet, because uh, I also mm. have Mississippi and Alaska, or the other the other ones. So. Um, I think it would just be be great to see that part of the country. Same thing with Alaska, you know, having visited a lot of other places, haven't visited anywhere quite like that. So that's part of the draw. And also it feels like, you know, when you are in the US, you have like the whole the whole world in one country. So basically people from Europe trying to go to different European countries, but they're super small and like the whole Europe looks like a small part of the US and you can go anywhere. You can go to mountains, you can go to the ocean, you can go to Alaska, you know, so you can 
do all those things and yeah i feel like it's 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 really it's really very interesting and i'm curious what is what is something else what is the next big goal you'd like to accomplish i don't know in the nearest time or during the lifetime uh beyond travel or are we, we branching out into something a lot larger now um goodness i so you asked earlier if i was a planner and this is one area where i don't do a great job planning is that long-term forecasting uh for my life and i think part of that is because um i feel like every time i've done something like that life has a surprise for me exactly. um, and so i i try to just hold those kinds of plans really loosely and uh just trust that the, the trajectory i'm on now you know if i make wise and intelligent decisions, I'll, I'll keep heading in the direction that I ultimately want to be. I care more about the journey than the destination sometimes. And, and my focus really is on, you know, raising great kids and having a great family and providing well for them um, and enabling the things that we that we value in the future. So whether that's college for my kids or future travel destinations or things like that, that's more my focus than really like targeting um you know i want to be a ceo someday or something like that i don't i don't really make a lot of those kinds of plans unfortunately <laughs> maybe that's a shortcoming i don't know but who do you want to be in five years you know all right. those questions yeah totally crazy i I've, i've never like i i think that's the best answer that i've ever heard i want to be the ceo of the company or something like that you know when you get asked those questions during the interviews and people like hmm <laughs> it's fun <laughs> i wonder so you have two kids so Who is uh, a bad cop and a good cop? Your uh, or your wife? Who, who is it, who? It totally depends on which kid and what they did. <laughs> I so think you have you have different areas of responsibilities, I guess. Maybe and just kind of different. I mean, we're we're a pretty tight knit family, but I think that I tend to. Um, be less patient with my son and my wife mm. tends to be less patient with our daughter and and uh, i don't know why that is that's for some other psychologist to figure out but um we i think that's just kind of how it goes but we balance each other out really well and and uh have just a really close relationship each of us with both our kids which is i think the most important thing um i i think You know, we, we've got a, a son who likes to push boundaries and our, our daughter likes to to very much follow the rules, but tends to be a little bit more private sometimes. Mm -hmm. So it's always a, a balance of trying to check on who's doing what, when, and just making sure that they know that they can always come to us if they need to talk about something. Um, and that, that even if we do have to correct them on something that they shouldn't have done, that they know we're doing that with love and out of, you know, ultimate goal of helping them become who they want to be and, and not make choices they'll regret. Does it mean that your son usually goes to your wife and your daughter to you? He has, uh, in, in many cases, walked straight past me while I've been just <laughs> sitting reading a book to go ask a question or a favor of my wife. And, and we both are like, Hey, dude, you have two parents. <laughs> I'm here to help. <laughs> It's so fun. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I totally get it. Because, but I, I have only one kid and, you know, it's a, it's a boy. And from time to time, like, I, I'm thinking about from my perspective, like, as, as a man should be. And then, like, yeah, I feel like I'm getting stricter sometimes. And I totally, I totally yeah. understand what you're talking about because like, you know, it's harder, it's harder to kind of like think from the daughter's perspective, but it's easier to think from the son's perspective, kinda, you know, like the same gender and all this stuff. So, and, and I heard someone say one time that, that sons are harder when they're younger and daughters <laughs> are harder when they're older. Um, and so maybe we're, maybe we're working toward a, a flip-flop here, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> it, he's just full of energy, which is awesome. He should be. Um, he's just still learning how to control that. What is the most active thing you've ever done with your son? The most active thing? Um, I think, so he likes when we, what we, what he calls when we play crazy. Mm -hmm. And that's basically some mix of wrestling and tickling and me just like, 
flipping him all over the place and and you know uh, carrying him around or tossing him on the couch or things like that he just he likes to to really get rambunctious and um and, and so we we do that fairly frequently did you ever hurt him accidentally during those times no i don't think so uh i mean certainly not in any in any way that um that he felt you know was was out of bounds i think we both tend to expect that there will be some some bumps along the way that's just kind of the nature of it but usually we just get back up laughing and and that's that's kind of how it goes it's anybody who's grown up with a brother or in a household with with a you know that had that kind of active um active lifestyle to it uh, you know what it's like and it was just easier when when your brother hurt you or you hurt your brother. It's always parents who you can go to. But if like it's your dad, like to 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 mom, maybe. But like it's it's not that equal, you know. There's a you know, and it's it's an interesting exercise as he gets bigger because he's finding that he has um, mm. he he has more more strength, more um, more power to to his actions and so you know i have to I, I use those as opportunities to to help him understand how he needs to also be gentle and careful just as i try to be you know certainly accidents happen but um but he needs to to learn how to you know use his strength responsibly it's the, it's the spider-man thing right <laughs> Do you use Spider-Man or is there any, I don't know, maybe martial arts you use to teach him about that? I mean, Spider-Man's a great example because we've been getting into some Spider-Man in our house. He's been reading some Spider-Man comics and we've been watching Spider-Man together. And, and so it's um, it's just a great opportunity. I think also, you know, he tends he tends to injure himself more than mm. uh, any other source of injury just by running around the house and, and bumping into things and, and just having to... <laughs> just continuously say, Hey, Hey dude, you probably shouldn't run in the house. We, we talk about that sometimes, right? Let's not run into things. I don't want you to hurt yourself. You know, you're, you're, you're big now. And, and that can, that can cause damage to you or to other things. So let's, let's slow down and, and use our strength wisely. Right. So things like that. Talking about Spider-Man, there are so many movies and cartoon and comics. So what is your favorite one? My favorite Spider-Man movie or comic? Anything related Any of to Spider-Man. Yeah, I, I honestly think that uh, Into the Spider-Verse from mm. a few years ago was so well done and just uh, had that right mix of of just a creative comic book style animation and a fun story and great characters. And I mean, there have been some really good Spider-Man movies, but but that one for me is is just uh, just kind of right there at the top of the list. I feel like a great soundtrack. Yes, it did have a good soundtrack. <laughs> I feel like after seeing it, I was listening to it for a week or a few weeks or even months. So I feel like they know what, what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, okay. you just get that song stuck in your head. And it's like, where did that come from? Oh, right, that movie. Yeah, yeah. You told about geeky stuff. So give me an example of weird geeky stuff you like. Um, I think one one example that I think is is pretty niche uh, or or niche, as a lot of people would say, is um, that you, behind me here, the Mist, uh, the video game series from the '90s, and that to me was a, at the time super immersive. It, it deals with uh, the storytelling power of books, and it was puzzle solving and beautiful uh, graphics and all kinds of things. So uh, that has continued to be a relevant. Uh, relevant property for me throughout my life and one that I have have bought and rebought and rebought again that game as they continue to to make it new and and re, you know mm -hmm. update the graphics and all kinds of things so um that's one that I keep I keep close one of the 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 books from the game um just because it um it's just meaningful to me yeah it's connected to like growing up and I feel like you know, some some people are fans of Zelda. Some people are fans of Quake, or mm -hmm. something like that. So I I totally understand it. Was it what is the was was it your only game? Let's say you liked the most, or were there any more? I've played video games throughout my life, um, and I a lot of different ones have have been impactful in different ways over the years. But I think um, Mist is just so different 
from so many other games that I've played and the the lore of of the world that the the game developers created was just so again so unique so immersive so tied to several other things that I loved again puzzle solving reading uh creativity and imagination to create worlds kind of in your own mind and those kinds of things so it it has it has perpetuated throughout my life whereas other games that maybe I played a long time ago um are still fond memories but are not ones that I continue to seek out and replay Got it. And you know, talking about reading, I saw this video about Twas the Night Before Planning. It was such an amazing one, you know, when you were reading the story about Santa Claus and elves that are having troubles with planning and stuff. So I, I wonder, do you read books to your children? Absolutely, I do. Yeah. The video you're talking about was something I created uh, as part of the Anaplan community team on a, on a previous role. And it was just a, a parody of Twas the Night Before Christmas that was really focusing on our product and our customers and that sort of thing. So we we turned it into a fun holiday present for our community and got some laughs. Uh, but uh, I do enjoy reading, enjoy writing. And um, it's something that I, especially for my kids, again, is, is something I invest both time and effort into for them um read things to both of them like the chronicles of narnia or mm. the hobbit uh currently working on the last harry potter book with my daughter uh things like that and, and just really enjoy spending that time with them and, and helping them discover again that some of the worlds that uh, activated my imagination when i was their age do you read the same books with your daughter and son or do you read different books with them with each different of them the same books but at different times um mm. when they're when they're each ready for them so i read uh all seven narnia books to my daughter when she was my son's age and now i'm going through them with him hmm got it yeah totally makes sense because you know sometimes you don't understand and is there a book that you you know that goes with you through whole your life and you are rereading it from time to time in different ages jurassic park don't even have to think about that one. That one I read when I was 12. It was 1993. The movie was coming out. It was my first like adult novel that I had read. And it was, you know, it just has stuck with me throughout my life. I've owned probably three or four different copies of that book at different times because I wear them out. And anytime I'm in a reading slump, I'll read Jurassic Park. You know, it's so fun because I I don't I don't remember when the movie came out, but I didn't know at that age that uh, there are some movies based on books. I was thinking like, oh, it's just it's just a movie, you know, and all this stuff. Right. And then when I get older. So from your perspective, what is better, the book or the movie? <laughs> That's one of the great things about Jurassic Park is because they're both excellent. Um, the movie is different enough from the book that it doesn't feel like it it's a bad adaptation, um, but it has enough in common with the book that it still feels like the same story. Um, I actually just a few weeks ago, somehow it's the 30th anniversary this year of the release mm. of the movie. Wow. And so a few weeks ago, our local theater was was showing an updated 4K 3D version of the film. And and I absolutely went and, and it, was, it was still just as good now as it was 30 years ago when I last saw it in a theater. Um, wow. and, and so I, I very much enjoy both of them. Oh, wow. It's so interesting. You know, first of all, I didn't even know that there is a book behind, but now I have something new to crave for, you know, it's like this, uh, remastered 4k 3d movie. So I hope it will get here someday. Absolutely. And, yeah. We'll see. And where's your love of funnel cake from? You know, I'm not even sure I would say I have a love of funnel cake. Um, I, I, I uh, It's tasty. Uh, it's a good thing to get when you go to a, a state fair or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that I have a love of funnel cake. Just a just a, an occasional an occasional taste for it under the right circumstances. And do you have some kind of love to any kind of cake? You know, I like cake. I do have a sweet tooth. I would probably prefer a pie mm. or a donut or brownie. <laughs> but cake is great. I enjoy making cake for people's birthdays and things like that. What was, uh, I don't know, the best cake you've ever made for somebody's birthday? 
you know, the cake that I make regularly is, uh, is a carrot cake. It's my grandmother's recipe. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, you know, usually carrot cake when you get it at the store or have it at a restaurant or something like that, it's got raisins in it. And I like raisins, but not in carrot cake. And it's also usually got a, an icing that's, it's just too sweet. And the, the recipe that I have has a, like a buttercream, uh, or I'm sorry, a cream cheese frosting, mm -hmm. um, with pecans in it. And it's just, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's it, it, again, it's one that I grew up with and it's one that I return to regularly and uh, enjoy making, at least for my birthday. Sometimes other people ask for it, but. And you talked about sweetness. So when you find a new recipe of cake or something sweet, do you always follow the recipe and add the same amount of sugar? Yeah, if anything, I actually reduce the amount of sugar just because I think sometimes recipes go a little overboard. With that, um, I think it depends, you know, it's, it depends on the, the relationship, the ratio of all the other ingredients and whether I feel like I can get away with that. But frequently I will, I will reduce the amount of sugar and I'll increase uh, the amount of like cinnamon or spices or vanilla or things like that, other flavorings, just because I think a lot of times things just end up simply tasting sweet and I yeah. actually want it to, yeah. to be more interesting than that. I asked because, you know, I also find some recipes from time to time and I'm always reducing amounts of sugar because I don't know what those people are thinking about, you know, like they like add, I don't know, three cups of sugar, like yeah. really, like it's a small cake, like what it will be is like sugar cake. <laughs> right. Yeah. Nobody needs all of that, especially if it's got frosting on it. Yeah, totally. So once you said recently, you shared on LinkedIn, that you are learning to consciously say no to things. So what is something you've recently said no to? That's a good question. Um, you might have to edit this for time because <laughs> I'm having trouble <laughs> thinking about it. But um, I think it's, it's more in the little things on the day-to-day -day basis. Um, it's not necessarily big things. It's more just recognizing that it's okay to turn down an invitation from a friend, for example, or, um, you know, th things like that. It just, it doesn't, I don't have to take every opportunity that comes to me, whether it's a social opportunity or an opportunity to volunteer or things like that. It, it, it could be anything, but just, it's okay to not have to do everything. I think the context of the post that, that you're referencing, I was talking about um, how much information we have today, how much yeah. data we get Crazy. from our, our fitness trackers or our, our phones or our computers, or just everything is monitored and fed back to us so that we can analyze it and understand it. And sometimes I think we just get lost in that. Um, similarly, there's just so much content now so many amazing books podcasts movies tv shows and you can't possibly keep up with all of them and so some of these things that i've learned that i have to just consciously say like nope that's one i'm gonna miss and it's okay if i'm not part of the conversation um so game of thrones never watched any <laughs> game of thrones that's a that's an example exactly uh, very very same here but i know this this phrase that the winter is coming so <laughs> <laughs> yes that, that, I, I feel like I, it's I enough memes, right yeah it's enough you know like the winter is coming of everyone like yeah, yeah we know what you are talking about right <laughs> even though those people didn't see it too <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's a theory we can work on i bet not as many people actually watch the show as say they watch the show yeah, because you you can't say that you didn't see it you know that you didn't watch because you want to be the school kids you know and all this stuff and i wonder i wonder do you ever go out without a tracker, without a fitness tracker? I do. Yeah. So I'm a runner um, and I only just started using a fitness tracker in the last few years. Um, mm. And then uh, earlier this year, the one I had been using was discontinued and it just they totally bricked the device in general. So it, it wasn't even operable anymore. And I took several months just to regroup and figure out what else I was going to do instead. And it was it was kind of refreshing just to just to run without worrying about what it felt like or what it was doing or how I was comparing to my previous runs. Um, so I, I think there, there's a balance between having all that data and, and use, utilizing it to improve, but also just kind of enjoying the journey, like I said before. But also you shared that you never been competitive in races or events. So I wonder what do you use this tracker for? I'm competitive with myself. I always like to make sure that I'm I'm improving over my my previous 
time or my my previous distance or things like that which the longer the more years i spend running the the less i'm able to do that just because i'm racking up hundreds of runs over these many years and and at that point it's it's very difficult to always always be improving so i kind of have stopped worrying as much about that i still have a a zone that i like to be Mm -hmm. in um and so i i do monitor that but uh, you know, I've I've started to to take some of the pressure off myself to to be constantly getting better, um, especially because I I don't I don't compete in races. What's the point in continuing to try to be my absolute fastest? The the point is to enjoy running and to stay healthy. So that's that's becoming more my focus. I wonder how did you get this mindset of not competing with others but with yourself. Uh, the, the mindset of not competing with others uh, came because I, I never actually placed in any of the races <laughs> that I was running. Uh, there's It's impossible for me to compete with the, the 15-year-old cross-country runner uh, who you know runs 16 miles every day of his life. Uh, so I even in my own age group, though, um, you know, they, they parse it out into the different age groups. And I've, I've never placed even in my own age group, no matter what age group that has been. And it, it keeps changing. Uh, so... That's one of those things where it's like, well, if I if I'm not actually going to be able to to earn a medal or a ribbon or actually, you know, beat beat enough other people to to place in this, then the only other person that I really have to compete against is myself. And, and am I doing better than my than my previous best then, you know, or at least am I maintaining um, a level of quality that I'm satisfied with? Then then that's um, that's enough. Do you have this mindset only about running or maybe in general about life? I think it largely is applicable to running. Um, I think, though, that that I do apply it in other areas, too, whether just with my my general health and well-being or maybe my my happiness and my emotional well-being, um, certainly, you know, with with raising my kids and making sure that there's always this forward progress, um, I think there, you know, so I took the strengths finder assessment several years back and, and one of mine was, was maximizer. And, and that idea of just improving, taking something and making it better. And I think that that's always what I'm looking to do, um, in, in as many areas as possible is just how can we take that to the next step or the next level, even if that's a community program I'm working on or something like that. Um, and I think that that's just a good mindset for people to have in general is that in not being content with stagnating. I think contentment is always a good thing to have, but that that looking to always, you know, be be better than you were yesterday is is also good. So that balance between contentment and improvement. It sounds that hard. Yeah. It depends <laughs> on the day, you know, but that's that's where having grace with yourself comes in as well, like recognizing that, you know, everybody has an off day or an off season and that there's an ebb and flow to everything in life. And, and just, you know, we're all still human and learning not to be too hard on yourself um, for the times where you're not at your best because you can't always be. How do you recognize if you are having a bad day? I like to think I'm fairly in tune with my emotions and, and recognize if, you know, for whatever reason, a poor night of sleep or whatever it might have been that just... Something is affecting me that particular day, and I, and I even try to be upfront with it with other people. Like, yeah, I'm just kind of kind of grumpy today, or something like that. But just uh, being being aware of my own emotions in a particular situation and um, making accommodations for that, and also trying to do what I can do to mitigate that. Whether it's cutting back on coffee that day, or taking a nap in the afternoon, or going for a walk or a run to just kind of get some fresh headspace, those kinds of things that that help. What is the hardest part of Tough Mudder? I do enjoy running the Tough Mudder. It's something I've done annually since 2014. And it's something that I enjoy doing with with friends. And, and, um, and I think the toughest part is cleaning up afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> those, uh, that mud is sticky sometimes. Um, honestly, the, the, the event itself is, is a fairly accessible event. Um, as long as you can put in the distance, the, the actual obstacles are more psychological in nature than they are, um, physical. And I think that it's, 
so much fun to to have that sense of accomplishment at the end of you know three hours on the course that that you and your team did something that most people would you know not feel like is a sane thing to do um <laughs> but it's uh yeah it's it's something that that we've been enjoying doing for a while now what is the story behind your first race first race um so it would my very first 5k as a runner was something that um i got into i was not I was not a, an active person growing up. I, I was not, I'm not very tall. I, I, I'd never done a, a lot of the sports that most of the other kids in my town played, uh, had gone to high school in a small town. So it was football, basketball, hockey, wrestling, and I was not made for any of those things. And so as an adult, somebody had told me about the couch to 5k running program, where it takes mm -hmm. you from a non-runner to being able to run a 5k um and complete it not no guarantees about pace or time or anything like that but you can at least complete it and i thought well that sounds like something i could at least try and so i did and I, that's when i fell in love with running um mm -hmm. when i realized that oh i could be active i could be athletic um just need to find the right thing and so for me that was that was a really big turning point in my life um but that first 5k was um was hard and it was not uh, anything, uh, not anywhere near my, my greatest pace of all time, but it was something that several of us from my church had done together. We kind of went through the couch to 5k program together. And so we ran that race together and it was, um, that, that, that community sense, uh, that camaraderie that we had yeah. going through it was really meaningful. So even though it's not ultimately a very memorable race, um, it was a memorable time of my life. And why did you decide to try a tough mother? There were several of my friends and I who were out for one of my friend's 30th birthday parties and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and it just came up like, Hey, we're all turning 30 or whatever. Let's what, what if we did something crazy and, and somebody <laughs> registered and said, okay, I'm in who else. And so there were six of us that did it that year. And, um, and, and I've, I've done it every year ever since. The rest is history. Oh, you will celebrate 10 years next year. Yeah, at 2020 there wasn't one. So this this year should have been my my 10th tough mutter, uh, but right. um there wasn't one in 2020. So yeah, next year will actually be my 10th one. Do you already have a plan to celebrate it somehow with your friends? That's a good question. Uh I'm already registered for it, so at least I know it's happening, but I I should should make some kind of plan to mark the moment. Do you usually celebrate some milestones in your life? Yeah, I think, you know, if I, you know, when we get a new, when I get a new job, my family and I'll go out to dinner or, you know, anniversaries or birthdays, things like that. We try to do something special or fun, um, whether it's a, an anniversary trip or again, it's just a, a birthday party of some kind, um, either just with our family or with friends. Um, I think it's important to recognize those things and, and pay attention to the fact that, you know, that, that you are, I know continuing on your journey of life and there are milestones along the way and, and marking those is a meaningful thing to do. So we do take time for it. I feel like sometimes it's easy to forget about that, you know, because life is so fast and like just another step, like you are receiving, like sometimes people are struggling so hard to reach something and then we're reached like, okay, everyone can do it, but it's not. So yeah, it's always good yeah. to celebrate and, you know, like praise yourself and make sure that you are continue doing and that you are receiving these great results or even normal results, but it's still results. So yeah, I think, you know, early on, I, I noticed very quickly that the adults in my life were always expecting, they were always looking at whatever they thought was the next thing for me, you know? You graduate high school. Where are you going to college? Mm. You graduate college. Well, when are you getting married? When you get married, when are you having kids? And you have one kid. When are you having another kid? <laughs> and it's always this, this thing is like, Hey, wait a minute. Can't we just enjoy where we are? And, yeah. um, yeah. and that's, so that I think that taking that time to stop and pause and, and recognize where you're at and where you've been, instead of constantly looking to the next thing is, is a really important, really important thing to do. I feel like that's just how parents are, you know, they always push in like to another. And I wonder why I feel like that's because they were raised that, that way. And do you push your kids too? 
think every parent pushes their kids to a degree because I think in a lot of cases, kids don't always challenge themselves mm-hmm. and, and they don't, they don't know to, they don't, they don't know to apply that extra level of effort or work toward accomplishing something that needs to be taught and trained in a lot of kids. And so it, it's, again, it's a balance between wanting to push because I don't want them to feel too much pressure to be something they're not or to overachieve necessarily or things like that. I want them to be who they were made to be. But at the same time, in order for them to get there, they need that encouragement. They need that support um, to to recognize that, yeah, hard work is a thing that happens in life and, and we need to not run away from it, but lean into it and recognize that some things are worth the hard work. Uh, even though it may not feel pleasant at the time, the, the result afterward validates all of it so that's that's kind of where we are right now where i you know we ask them to to do their chores and, dad i totally I, hear that you're I, going to appreciate this one day every time i'm doing homework with my kid i have this fight no homework again and i was like yes again it's next yes, day it's cool like it's homework important. for sure like you are doing homework you know you are not getting out of it but it's fun. And I like for me, for my kids, the hardest part is to start. So we can go into fight, you know, and we can go like, you're grounded if you're not doing the homework and all this stuff. But I noticed that if I just overgo this first few minutes of like not wanting him to do it, then it goes okay. So just yeah. this few minutes and then like, we're getting sucked in, you know, we're talking about stuff, I'm telling him stories, and we are already, you know, getting somewhere. So Yeah, we, we have conversations sometimes where I'll say, it's okay to not want to do this. I understand it's less enjoyable than the book you were reading or the game you were playing, but it's still important. So feel your feelings and now let's get it done. <laughs> Who is your favorite Star Wars character? Han Solo. Why? He, I, I like the fact that he's a little bit scoundrelly. You know, mm-hmm. he's, um, he's, he's a bit sarcastic, and I tend to be that way. Um, he, he's really resourceful. He's always there in a pinch. Um, I just, I, and maybe I just like Harrison Ford in general, but, but Han Solo is uh, a lot of fun for me. Yeah, it's fun. But you know, when I had a Star Wars book, it was already. Uh, her, um, this actor already on this book so it was not like you know the previous uh, edition without him but it was always even when I was reading a book without seeing a movie it was already connected with him and when I saw a movie I like oh I understand I understand why yeah and for you Something what was first the movie or the book uh, I grew up watching Star Wars. I mean, in the era where our, our copy of of the movie at home, my parents had recorded off some TV movie. You know, it had commercials in it. We had to fast forward through, you know. I saw the same commercials so many times because it was on this recorded VHS copy of Star Wars. Um, and it, it had been edited too. So there were, there were scenes that later when I got a legitimate copy, I was like, I've never seen that scene. <laughs> that was... That had been edited out of the part that I, I saw. Um, so it was, yeah, I, I, for me, it's it's always the movies for Star Wars. You know, when I was preparing for this conversation, I went through your LinkedIn posts and anything that I could only find on the internet. And I have this internal feeling that you are a very thoughtful person. At least I have this feeling. So have you ever thought about your purpose in life? I have. Yeah. So I, um, let's see, I think in terms of like an overall, like mission statement, I'm not sure that I've got it always boiled down to something like that. Um, but for me, so I'm, I'm a person of faith. I'm I'm a Christian and I, I believe a lot in that. And so that influences a lot of how I go about doing what I do and why I do it. Um, for me, I think that being as, um, as, I don't know, just as as helpful a person as I can be, as, as kind and as loving as possible, always doing what I can uh, to to 
support others and and give give back give to others i think all these things are are really important to me and i think that they they influence how i do community as well because you know i've got a very people centered approach to a lot of what i do my career isn't based off of the desire for achievement or a big salary or anything like that it's how can i help people and how yeah. can i um you know ultimately like leave leave a mark that's bigger than myself on the world around me that lasts beyond me and that that obviously influences my parenting and where i volunteer and spend my time and um, those kinds of things so I, I think it's all kind of wrapped up in my worldview there yeah and i feel like the more the more you give the more you talk to people the more you learn and it's always like this continuous cycle and yeah and i know that christianity sometimes may be hard if go like really rule by rule by rule so do you always follow all rules of christianity i think that's the great thing about really understanding that that faith is you know the perception of it is that it's very rule-based um and ultimately you know a, a solid understanding of it is that it's much more uh grace based there are certainly there's certainly a moral component to it things that are right or wrong um and but but our approach to living that way is based out of a desire uh, you know based based out of gratitude for what we've received uh from god in in that not not to get all religious but but you asked uh you know what we've received in being saved and and so it's less about like well to be a to be a good christian i have to follow all these rules it's more about I'm going to choose to live the best way I can because I've received so much and in gratitude for that and to the person who has done that for me, I'm going to do the best I can. So I, I think it's, it's very freeing to think about it from that perspective rather than an enormous checklist of rules. And I would also add that it's something in your mind and heart, because I feel like there is a huge social pressure out there because everyone understands uh, religion and all the stuff like, themselves and it's like you know it's not that you have to be and feel about it as others because it's always your yeah. own way to it and yeah I, i i totally get what you're talking about yeah i think that's the that's the difficult thing for anybody who believes anything really strongly is that there everybody else around you maybe has a different perception of what that is that you believe whether it's your political ideology or your faith system or your culture or something like that somebody else always has a different perspective of that because of a lived experience with that thing some other some other way with possibly somebody else who didn't represent it the way you would want them to and and so you always encounter people who who have you know, maybe a bias or a prejudice and frequently a very legitimate one. Um, and I just, you know, I, I know that there's not always great depictions of of Christians out there. And I do my best to to counteract that as much as I can. Yeah, I feel, I feel like it's, you know, it's sort of, you can, you can say the same about almost anything because I, I can say the same, like, I feel like it's not the great thoughts about Ukrainians out there or it's not the great thoughts about white men out there and all this stuff. Yeah. So It's, it, it always depends. And you know, Aaron, I really wish to have the sky as a limit to our conversation, but time is a limit. So let's jump to the rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Oh, we haven't had rapid fire yet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know it was. It was deep, deep fire. Now it's rapid fire. Let's do it. Trivia or tough mother? Trivia. Cook or eat? Eat. What are your favorite color and song? Color would be blue or black. Um, favorite song? I don't have one. Uh, there's there's too many. Too they, they come and go. What is something? What what is your favorite song of the day or of the week? Oh gosh, uh, let's just say ACDC "Thunderstruck" because that was in my head yesterday. Got it. If you were a superhero, what superpower would you have? I'd love to fly. Who do you learn from in the community world? Name just one person. Just one person uh, that changes a lot too, but I would say I've learned a lot from uh, Max Pete lately. And who should I reach out and have this community life conversation with? Name two people. Uh, if you haven't talked to them yet, I would recommend Nicola Earl. And um, man, 
That's such a good question. I, I, I don't even know who all you've talked to. So um, it doesn't matter. It's like, who do you think about? Well, let's just say Max Pete then. I'm sure you've already talked to him. But if I'm going to give his answer as somebody who has influenced me, then I've got to recommend him that you talk to him. Got it. Is there one question that I definitely should have asked you, but didn't? No, I think we covered a, a great range of, of topics and I, I can't even think of one that we didn't get to. I felt like you will say you didn't ask me about trivia. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't ask about trivia. You, you didn't. Uh, and that's okay. You didn't ask me about my favorite pizza topping either. But, uh, you know, there's so many things we could have gotten into. <laughs> yeah, so let's let's review at least what is your favorite pizza topping. Uh, pepperoni, hands down. <laughs> Got it. You know, Aaron, I I wanted, like, I met you first at the CMX community, I guess. And then, as Taylor once said, we were friend flirting here and there, <laughs> jumping on some meetings from time to time. And as you mentioned, never really had this quality, let's say, one-on-one -on -one conversation. But I feel like today you just covered my curiosity, not for 100%, sure, it's, it, it's even not... I don't know, 60%, but at least at 52, totally. So more than half we're winning. Yeah. More than half, you know, like, because I, I totally like, because I, when I was reading stuff, when I was preparing for this conversation and when I saw you uh, out there in the community world, I had one thoughts and then you just proved some of them. And I just understand that you are even better than I even thought. So well, that's very <laughs> kind of you. I've maybe I've fooled you. <laughs> we never know. We never know. We but never it's know. also the beauty, you know, it's also the beauty of it. So yeah, thank you very much for having this fun, nice and interesting conversation and for being so open here. Thank you. Thank you for the thoughtful questions. Yeah, this was a great time. <laughs> Can't even say it, but I totally understand, you know, from time to time I have the same stuff and I have to repeat things and it's like you know, it's it's the perfection of imperfection. Yes. And yeah, yep. thank you very much and see you in the community world. See you. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, hit the like button on five stars and share it with your friend. That's it. We're done. See you in the next episode.